Joining me today is a man who I admire, not only because he's in the captivating new digital drama series Studio City on Amazon Prime, or author of the new book Success Factor X on Amazon Prime. This charming Casanova got to do what I've dreamt of doing since 1989, and that is beat the crap out of Ralph Macchio. Please welcome Sean Kanan. Hey, brother. How are you? Doing well, man. How are you? Good. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. Thank you for being on. Let's jump right into Studio City. Studio City is a short-form digital series on Amazon Prime. The first uh, season has six episodes, and they range between 10 and 15 minutes each, so it's, it's really very digestible. Uh, the show centers around my character, Sam Stevens, who plays Dr. Pierce Hartley on the number two soap opera in the country, Hearts on Fire. And, you know, He's a guy that sort of has always lived his life in this B-minus bubble of fame. And from the outside in, it looks like he's got this really amazing life. He stars on a TV show. But really, he's got a lot of the same problems that everybody has. He's got mommy issues. He's got, you know, relationship issues. He's got issues at work. And uh, this is a, a show that I've been trying to get made for over a decade. And through the right series of relationships and, and circumstances, um, we got it made, and I'm, I'm just so proud of it. Uh, it. It stars some tremendous actors, Kristen Rogers from General Hospital, uh, Carolyn Hennessy, Patrika Darbo, three-time Emmy Award winner Sarah Joy Brown, and uh, we actually just made history on the show because Scott Turner Schofield uh, is the first trans male actor ever nominated for an Emmy. Oh, cool. And so, yeah, we got nominated for eight Emmys, and 12 independent series awards. And, you know, it's just, it's been really an incredible experience. Um, my wife, Michelle, is uh, one of the writers. And, uh, you know, I get to work with her, which is incredible. And, you know, it's, it's really been the culmination of something that I've been trying to get done for a long time. And people are really responding to it. Are you one of the creators? I am the creator, yeah. My, myself wow. and another fellow named Jason Antignoli. How did you come up with it? I think you're right what you know. And I have been involved in uh, daytime television since, since 1992. And, you know, so often when you see soap operas uh, represented in, in, in the media, apart from actually as, there's, as they are on daytime TV, you know, they're always kind of shown as this overly dramatic hyperbolic acting where the actors are kind of, you know, like winking to the camera to let you know that they know that they're acting in a soap opera. And I wanted to show what it's really like being an actor on a, a daytime show. It's, it's not, this is not a soap opera. It's a show about a guy who, you know, his job is that he's, he's, a, he's a soap star, but it deals with his life, the show within the show, and then there's his, his life outside of the show. Um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, Larry David uh, on Career Enthusiasm. He, he works as a, as a show creator in Hollywood, but it's really not about that. It's about all of his you know, his crazy antics and always stepping on his self. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, it's really tremendous working with such a talented group of people. And uh, we are in the process right now figuring out what we're doing with season two, which is exciting. Um, it's also very challenging given everything that's going on in the world. Uh, but we have really considered ourselves from the beginning a little engine that could. And um, we're just going to keep moving forward. How has Amazon responded to this? I mean, are they are they pleased with the results? It, it's funny. Uh, Amazon is 
the platform that the show is on, uh, but it's not an Amazon original show. So we really haven't had a tremendous amount of interaction with Amazon yet. We're, we're hoping that might possibly change if we're able to bring home some uh, statues in the next couple of weeks. But you know what, we are, we're looking at all different ways that we're considering making this, possibly moving to a longer format. Uh, but we're very happy with our uh, platform on Amazon because it's, it's so accessible to so many people. You know, one of the great things about the time we're living in, as far as entertainment goes, uh, is that, you know, gone are the days when the family meets on Thursday night at 8 p.m. to watch their favorite sitcom. I mean, people want to watch what they want to watch, when they want to watch it, and they want to watch it on the devices they want to watch it. One of the nice things about a short-form digital show is that it's really digestible. You literally can watch an entire episode or two on your lunch hour, you can watch an episode while you're waiting for a train or a subway, etc. The challenge comes in, especially when it's a new show, you know, how do we, how do we engage the audience uh, in a bunch of characters that they've never met before? How do we get them connected really quickly and still tell compelling story? One of the things we're really proud about on the show is that we deal with a lot of very timely and pertinent social issues. We, we have a Me Too storyline. We, uh, we deal with ageism. We deal with suicide. Uh, we, we have an LGBTQ storyline. So it's how do you do that in a really limited format and do it in a way where you're not beating the audience over the head so they feel that they're being kind of lectured to and preached to because nobody wants that. So I think we've really struck that, that difficult balance of, you know, entertaining, um, you know, sometimes we make you laugh, sometimes we make you cry, hopefully we always entertain you, but we're also dealing with some stuff that's, you know, stuff that affects all of us, stuff that's, that's in the news right now, that's, you know, that are profound social issues, and I'd like to continue doing that. I like the approach that you guys are taking because a lot of that just really has to do with the way the show is written and edited. I remember when The Sopranos was still on HBO and I would dedicate an hour a week to this show. That's all it was. 15 minutes into an episode of The Sopranos and I'm thinking to myself like, geez, like I feel like I'm watching The Ten Commandments. This just keeps going and going. It's about how they edited the episode and how it's made and how it's written. It's intelligent the way that you've approached it because now that's kind of the selling point. You don't have to make this huge investment of your time. If you've never watched it before, give it a try. But once you've got them, you kind of reel them in because it makes them feel like they're getting more value out of something, even though it's a short term thing. Right. You know, I, I think also that the new way of watching programming where you can, if you choose to, you can binge it. It's great because you really, you know, you do kind of go in a cocoon with the characters and, you know, I, I, it's so funny. Everyone's talking about like what, what they've watched during the quarantine and everything. And, you know, my, my wife and I had watched so much TV because, you know, watching TV is a really great way as a writer to, you know, it, it stimulates stuff. So we got into uh, Criminal Minds, which went on for like 13 seasons. And I mean, we literally would watch like six or seven episodes a night for, for weeks on end. And, you know, you get really attached to the characters, the story and everything like that. Um, you can watch the entire first season of Studio City in, you know, a little over, you know, an hour. Um, now, my hope is that the next season is going to be 10 episodes that are going to hopefully be around 22 minutes each. So that's going to be a bigger commitment, but it's going to give us a canvas to really tell more enhanced story and uh, hopefully bring the audience 
in more of the characters. I actually really like the idea that the first season was the short form thing because people can decide if they like it and then they're more willing to make the commitment to watch the longer format. It's a great approach, especially nowadays when people's attention spans are limited and there's so much variety out there that that's really the best way to compete. You know, you don't want to have to approach them with this hour long show that they've never seen. And every time, you know, someone kind of passes over the uh, the icon, they're like, I'm going to rewatch this episode of The Office. You know, it's only 18 minutes. <laughs> you wrote a book, Success Factor X. I did. And I just so happened to have a copy of it right here. What are the odds? Yeah. The book, which I, I co-authored with Jill Lieberman, uh, we went out to 50 exceptional people. Well, 48, because two of them are me and Jill. But uh, 48 really exceptional people. And we said, you know, what's your best advice about success? Uh, what can you share? And, and almost every person wrote an organic submission for the book. And the response we got, we put out an ask letter to our, our sort of dream list of people. It was amazing. Uh, we got Anthony Robbins. We got Mark Cuban, Sarah Blakely, the first female billionaire, uh, Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, um, uh, Daryl McDaniels, founding member of Run DMC. We got you know, baseball players, football players, Olympic athletes. We got all of these really, really interesting, amazing people that have all achieved you know, tremendous success. Um, and you know what's interesting is my, my acting teacher, the late Roy London, used to always say, I have more in common with a successful plumber than I do with an unsuccessful acting teacher. And by that, he meant, you know, climbing the mountain of success, you know, you, you do tend to take some of the same paths no matter what you do. I mean, there's, there's certain work ethics and certain things that you do that it doesn't matter what, what you're pursuing, there's certain things you got to do. And, and there are common denominators that you start to see with, with the people in their submissions. And one of the most interesting things I found about the book and the submissions was that all these people that have, some of them have tremendous wealth, some of them have tremendous fame, visibility, et cetera, they, they didn't really define their success in those terms at all. Um, you know, nobody said, wow, I'm really successful because I have a leader jet. Um, they, they talked about their success in terms of their ability to help other people achieve their dreams, to inspire other people, to live their most authentic life. And I thought that was really interesting because I think when you, when you come from an approach where obviously you're working as hard as you can, doing your best, but you're helping other people, paying it forward, I think the universe supports that. And I think it ultimately circles back around to facilitating your own success. My ask letter must have been lost in the mail. But um, <laughs> it's really interesting to look at what makes people successful. I kind of was hoping to get the same thing out of the Outliers book by Malcolm Gladwell. But I, I like your approach better, though. And I'll tell you why. You, you look at these common denominators, and it's not something that's so unattainable where you're telling people like, well, you could do it, but you're gonna have to spend 10,000 hours dribbling a basketball. No, just do the right thing, be passionate, work hard, and in exchange, the universe will reward you. I agree with what you're saying to an extent. I, I do have to say though that I, I think, you know, it's, it's funny, I, I read the book too, and I was thinking about that 10,000 hours, I was thinking 10,000 hours. And then I started thinking, you know, I've done over a thousand episodes of network television, and I started thinking, wow, I've, I've accrued my 10,000 hours. And, and I, I think, you know, a lot of times 
people look at those 10,000 hours as being 10,000 hours of studying or 10,000 hours in the job. But really, you know, I think what he meant about 10,000 hours is a little more metaphoric in the sense that, it, you know, lots of different things contribute into um, achieving those 10,000 hours. Mistakes we made, friendships we made, things like that. So I, I do like some of what he said, but, you know, I, I, do, I do agree. I think the organic submissions in, in this book really are something that um, they're inspiring. I think right now, especially with what's going on in the world, people could use some inspiration. Uh, speaking of which, we were named one of the 20 most inspirational books of the last two decades by Book Authority, and Success Factor X also became an Amazon uh, new release bestseller. I think it was 10 days after it came out. And it's one of those books that you can, you can literally open it like anywhere and find somebody and that's going to that's gonna speak to you. Like we watch the same movies over and over again sometimes. And I say the reason that we do that is the movies don't change, but the eyes with which we see the movies change based upon our, our constantly evolving life experience, right? Right. And so, you know, it's one of those books you could open up and you can read something one time and you read it six months later and, and it might have a whole different value for you. So, um, you know, I'm not just out hawking a book, um, you know, it's really not about that for me, but I honestly feel that this book has some really legitimate information that, that can help people. I don't say that I wrote the book. I mean, I, I wrote parts of the book with my partner, but really we say that our contributors are the authors of the book. But um, as I was getting their submissions, um, I was learning as I was going along. So, so for me, the, you know, the putting together of the book was an incredible learning experience. Is there any one particular contributor to that book that you feel like you connected with most? Yeah, uh, there's, a, there's a fellow in the book, uh, his name is Jay Dobbins. And Jay is not somebody that most people would know, although he did write a best-selling book called No Angel. And Jay uh, was an undercover alcohol, tobacco, and firearms uh, agent who went undercover and he brought down a chapter of the Hells Angels. And if you look at Jay, Jay, Jay looks like an outlaw biker, but he is a highly decorated ATF agent who is one of the bravest people I know. I mean, he is sincerely an American hero. And, um, uh, you know, he's not somebody that everybody would know, but he's got brilliant advice based on battle-tested life experience uh, coming from being on, you know, the side of the law as a lawman and pretending to be an outlaw. And, you know, you know where are you going to have a chance to listen to a guy like that, you know, basically speaking to you? So we really think we, we gathered... Uh, an interesting group of people. And we got Coach K. I mean, we got we got some really incredible people from diverse backgrounds that are going to offer some advice that you know you, you may not have thought of before. Without uh, divulging too much, is there any one common denominator that you would want to share? I, I'll share. I'll share some of the advice that I offer in in my chapter. If I take from other people, other philosophers. And, and I, because I think the best advice is passed down. And there's two pieces that I reference um, that have helped me. The first is from Mike Tyson, who said, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. That's the first thing. Uh, and, and Bruce Lee, who said, be like water. You know, water can be like ice, it can be hard. Water can be fluid. Water seeks the path of least resistance. And, and, and I think the thing is, you know, 
It's important to have a plan, but it's important to anticipate contingencies. And it's important to kind of, you know, allow yourself to mold into the flow of the universe. And I'm not trying to get all Zen, but, um, you know, another piece of advice in my chapter came from my grandfather who said, listen, advice is free. Always listen to it. Because even if it's crappy advice, you've just learned something about the person giving it to you. You know what I mean? So, so uh, you know, they're just little things that I've, I've gathered throughout the years. Um, uh, there's a couple in there that are original Sean-isms, but a lot of them are ones that um, come from other people that, uh, you know, that have, have, have helped me. You had mentioned that you did stand-up, or that you do stand-up. What would someone expect from coming to see you live? Are, 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 you, are you literally putting me on the spot saying be funny right now? I want to hear your best j- No, I'm kidding. I talk a lot about my life. I really do. You know, I talk about you know, what it's like being on a soap opera. Anywhere else in the world, if you roll around in bed with a stranger for money, you know, you're a prostitute. You do it on network TV, man, and you're a soap star. You know what I talk <laughs> But it was like, you know, uh, when, I, when I did Karate Kid, I mean, how the 80s were just like amazing, amazing years for me. And I could walk anywhere on the Sunset Strip and get into any club. And everybody knew my name pretty much because I was wearing the Cobra Kai at the time. And my dad <laughs> used to just walk around our little town and he'd hold his head up high and he'd just say, my kid's the dickhead in Karate Kid 3. And it's funny you say a lot of that stuff because I was just having a conversation the other day with uh, Bruce Valanche. I know Bruce. Yeah, Bruce is the best. You know, we were having this conversation about, you know, just, just kind of fame in general, how certain people handle it and how, uh, how it affects certain people. As someone who has had a taste of fame versus someone who hasn't, you always kind of have this perception of it like, well, if I were as well known as this guy, I would just go out on a daily basis and be like, hey, guys, look at me. It's me. You're welcome. And uh, his rebuttal was just like, how, how long could that possibly go on for? Even that gets old. What's your take on that? I mean, you know, I, I, I did Karate Kid 3 when I was very young. And um, Ralph Macchio and Pat Morita had done all the press for the first two films. So they didn't really want to do a lot of it for three. So it kind of fell to me. So I, I got very well known very quickly. And then as I joined uh, the General Hospital, which has been the show that's been going on for decades, it, it, it grew from there. Um, and, you know, I made a lot of mistakes. Uh, you know, I was a, a young kid who came out here by himself. Uh, I, you know, I finished my political science degree at UCLA, but I was also starting to work as an actor. And I was, I was pretty wild when I was younger. And like I said, I made mistakes. Um, it took me a while to learn from some of them. Um, I, I think generally for most people that are in the entertainment business, Careers are very rarely um, a straight vertical ascension. You know, you know. Sometimes you, you take two steps forward, one step back. Sometimes you take two steps back. Um, I think there's times when I've been more recognizable than not, and other times when I've had it's really nice anonymity. For me, famous is Al Pacino. For me, famous is Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? I'm I'm a working actor. I mean. I've, I've done some stuff where, where people go, oh, it's that guy. But, um, you know, for me, I, I like having relative anonymity. It's nice every now and again when you want a pool table at a restaurant or, you know, you want, you know what I mean? But for the most part, it's, it's not really something I think about. Um, it's, it's, it's weird. It started to happen again a little bit now with Studio City. And I, I, for, I literally forget sometimes that it, 
why are those people point, you know, pointing at me? And I forget when I'm, when I'm doing something that's sort of out there in the world for people to see, they see it. And then there's, you know, so much of an actor's life is you're, you're, you're unemployed a lot. You know, you're looking for work a lot. And, and when you're looking for work, um, you know, it can be difficult. And, and, and during those times when you're not sort of in the public eye, you know, it's, it's amazing how many times people say, oh, are you, are you still acting? And it's just, you know, it, it really is, a, a career is more of a marathon than a 50 yard dash. Sean, I want to thank you very much for your time today, man. It's definitely been a pleasure getting to know you and learning more about you. Um, everybody, you. make sure you check out Studio City on Amazon Prime and pick up a copy of Success Factor X, also available on Amazon. Thank you so much to everyone watching. I hope everyone stays safe. And uh, if you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Instagram at Sean.Kanan or Twitter at Sean And I, I do my best to try and respond to everybody. Thanks a lot, Sean. Brother, take care of yourself, all right? Thanks for listening to TNTL Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and share on all obligatory podcasting and social media platforms, or we will find you. Yes, that is a threat. <laughs>